in January, we're going to start uh, a sermon series called Questions Worth Asking, and uh, we're asking for questions now, and you can go to our website, just go to westonmemorial.org slash questions, and uh, you can submit any question that you want. It's totally anonymous. We have no idea where they came from, and you can ask anything about God, faith, life, anything, and we'll put them into sort of a top four, top five kind of categories and try and address them, hopefully give decent answers. Uh, and incorporate them into the sermon. So I think it's going to be a really cool feedback loop and just a cool conversation to have. So we invite you to go to the website now and start doing that. And do it all throughout January, too. You can submit any question you want um, at any time. So uh, please do that. So speaking of questions this week, I decided to go on um, America's sounding board, which I call Facebook, uh, and ask a question, which was, um, if you could ask any question of God, and get an immediate response, what would you ask? And I said, you can private message me too if you don't want to make it public, and some people did that. A lot of people put uh, public questions too. And so I said, um, well, here's, here's just a few of them. First was uh, mosquitoes, why? I have that, yeah, I have that one, you know, just. Um, aliens, what's up with that? Like, give me, I want to know, is this, what's going on with that situation? Um, this came up quite a few times. Dinosaurs. Why are dinosaurs in the book of Genesis? Um, it reminds me of a joke my kids told me once, which was, why can't dinosaurs clap their hands? Because they're dead. <laughs> but that was a question someone asked. What's up with dinosaurs? Why are dinosaurs in the Bible? Um, I don't have an answer for that right now. And then uh, another one, uh, where is the Ark of the Covenant? Indiana Jones can maybe answer that. Uh, some people, I don't know. And then it got more serious, of course, things like why is there suffering in the world? Where my, will, will my kids be okay? God, how do I deal with my anger? Um, why does God tend to give me what I need and not what I want? That's a good question. You know, there's a guy in Isaiah chapter 7 named King Ahaz, and he gets an opportunity from God to, be, to ask any, really get any sign from God he wants. He gets, he's given that opportunity, and Ahaz refuses. God says, ask anything you want from me, as low as the place of the dead, or as high as heaven, and I'll do it. And Ahaz says, no, I, I don't want to test the Lord like that. But so what does God do? He gives Ahaz a sign anyway. A sign that Ahaz didn't really want or probably even understand at the time. But it's a sign that he needed. It's a sign that especially today that maybe some people don't want it. But it's a sign that everyone needs, especially at Christmas. And that's starting in verse 10, Isaiah 7. Later the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. So for context, this is 6th century BC. Ahaz is the king of the southern portion of Israel, which was called Judah. And so Ahaz is in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. And in a crazy twist, Syria and Israel the northern part, are our allies. And they're both coming to take Jerusalem. So they're encircling the city. So, of course, Ahaz is understandably stressed. 
he, he's asking God for help. And if you read Isaiah 7 before verses 10, God already spoke through Isaiah to Ahaz. He's already told him things. Like in verse 4, God literally says, tell him to stop worrying and to tell Ahaz, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. But Ahaz still doesn't hear what God is saying. He doesn't receive what he's saying. God wants him to be bold. He wants him to ask. He wants him to expect to receive something from God. He's wanting God to have a fresh encounter with himself. Ask me for anything, Ahaz, but modesty gets in Ahaz's way, maybe even pride, and says, God, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to intrude. I don't want to uh, uh, inconvenience you. You know, and sometimes it's just good to have someone that means what they say and says what they mean. Double-minded talk, I don't do well with that. I think this be a clear, say what you mean. Don't play games. In the South, we're so bad at this. We're so passive-aggressive, aren't we? We're like, oh, that's fine. But then you go to your prayer request. Well, we need to pray for them because I heard. You know, like, we just need to say what you mean, Ahaz. Don't, you can't inconvenience God. You can't get on his bad side. You know, you're not intruding, but in his pride, Ahaz is, he's resigned to his circumstance. Really what King Ahaz is looking at the enemies that are surrounding him, and he's more afraid of that than he is in fearing God. He's more afraid of the physical ramifications of his life than anything else. And he's proud. And he, you know, a lot of people seem to think that in order for God to use you, you have to be a strong man or a woman. But I encourage you to read the Bible real quick, and you'll figure out that's not true. God uses weak people. He uses fallible people. People that have made mistakes over and over again. Look through the scriptures. King David, adulterer, and he set up the, the husband of the woman that he's sleeping with to die. He's essentially a murderer. You could go with Moses. Don't even get me started with Noah. I mean, go read Genesis if you want to hear about some Noah. You could go on and on and on. God uses infallible pe- or fallible people. See, proud people realize they don't need to pray. Proud people trust their own wisdom. I don't need to trust God. Ahaz is proud right in this position. I don't need to listen to what you have to say, God. I don't need a sign from you. I'm, I'm good. But see, reliant people who are reliant on God, they realize they have nothing without God. And in that recognition, they are strong. God is looking for people who are dependent on him because you are accepting reality. It's not an emotional crutch to trust God. It's reality. It's the fact that He meets the deepest needs of the human condition. Is God not capable of dealing with your situation? Are you inconveniencing God by dealing with bringing your fears to him? No. Is God bigger than the problem that you face? Yes. King Ahaz. God is bigger than the problem that you face. So why is Ahaz being hesitant? Well, it could be pride. I think what you're seeing here is, is a fear, a fear of offense, a fear of, of, of the future, a fear of the unknown. I think fear drives so many people's decisions today. We don't even realize it. We're afraid. We're afraid of how other people think of us. We're afraid of, of, of the unknown. But we're, we're primarily, we should be fearing God. Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
many people have lost an appropriate fear of God. Not in a, not in a fear of judgment sort of way, but just, just respect. And actually, try, hear me on this. If you put the fear of the Lord as the center of your life, you will have a more sane life because you have, you have an appropriate fear. It's a good thing to center your life around respecting and awe and worship and reverence of God. I'm not talking about fear of, of being reprimanded or retribution, not that sort of thing. God, God is good. God is love. But, but keeping the center of the holiness of who God is. Like, for example, when I was a child, I knew my parents loved me, and they still do. But I knew dang well I better not cross them, right? Same with your parents, I'm sure. I do not, I would not, I learned real quick not to cross my dad. Now, thankfully, my parents didn't do spanking, except for a few times. He would grab one arm so I couldn't get away, like a, like a marlin on a line, and then I would get whacked with the other hand. It only happened once or twice, but that was enough for me to have an appropriate, I, I realized who was in charge. I realized that I was not the center of, my parent, of the home. My parents were the center of the home. And it's the same situation. If the children become the center of the home, your home gets chaotic really quick. Parents, your marriage is the center of the home, not the children. Do you love them? Of course you do. But they should not orbit around, they, you should not orbit around them. They orbit around you and your marriage. And it's the same way that God does not orbit around me. My life orbits around him. And so that's what you call an appropriate fear. It puts things in their proper context. And so like Ahaz, he feels overwhelmed. He feels surrounded. He's fearing his enemies more than God. And so he feels resigned to his fate. He's fearing the wrong things. And in those moments, you should pray to have faith. Ask God to give you faith. Now, you might be thinking, that sounds strange. Why would I ask God to give me faith? Well, you're essentially saying, God, help me believe. And God, you could even pray like, like, like Peter did in the boat in the New Testament. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When John Wesley, I've been reading John Wesley's journals lately, and portions of it is a good, good sleeping pill, but it just is. But good pieces of it are not. I mean, they are... Uh, what the Holy Spirit did through those people was unbelievable. I mean, it's just wild. And there's so many supernatural stories of, of, of deliverance, of demonic possession, of, of spiritual oppression in people's lives over and over again. You read of these accounts. And many times Wesley would ask people, do you desire healing? That's a great question. All people desire healing. Do you desire healing? And secondly, pray to have faith. I'd, I ask you to pray to have faith. I love that. Because there will be moments in your life when you're at your bottom and you don't know what to trust anymore. Like, like Ahaz, he's surrounded by his enemies. Pray to have faith. God, give me faith. Help me trust you more. Pray that prayer. Sometimes you pray prayers they're going to answer for years or you don't even know if they got answered at all. But sometimes when we pray like a prayer like that, God, give me faith, help me trust you more, that's a prayer right in the line of the will of God. That's a prayer that God wants to answer for every single person. God wants to help you have faith. God wants to help you overcome those hurdles and those obstacles that we face in life. And when you ask something of God, expect to receive it in return and trust him because he's good. Ahaz didn't trust. Like James 1, the apostle James, 
says these words. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So Ahaz is, is like the person tossed on the sea. He's like, yeah, 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 God, I heard you, but I'm, I'm not interested in that right now. I don't want to test you. I don't want to inconvenience you. And so he doesn't receive anything from, from God. But God's not happy enough with that. So he speaks to Isaiah, and Isaiah gives a response back to Ahaz. Okay, then, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? Isaiah didn't play around. (laughs) All right, then the the Lord himself will give you the sign. If you want to ask me for a sign, I'll give you a sign anyway. A sign that you don't really want, but it's one that you need. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey. For before the child is that old, the lands of the two kings you fear so much will both be deserted. So Isaiah gives this response back and says, quit being, trying to be polite, self-pity, don't weary God with your double-mindedness, trying to be a people pleaser, hemming and hawing with your hat in your hand. Friends, life is too short for any of that. Life's too short. Please God first. Don't fear the enemy around you. Fear God first. Trust God and not the circumstance. Get real. Today, ugly cry with God. Get honest. It's okay. Ask God to give you faith, to enhance and expand your faith, to be real with him and expect because God is good. And so here's Isaiah's rebuke. If you don't want a sign, I'll give you a sign from the Lord. Isaiah is just the messenger. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now this, of course, is a a reference to the prophecy of of the Messiah, a prophecy that Ahaz would never see to come to completion. This would be 700 years after Ahaz's life. So Ahaz is probably, probably thinking, what are you talking about, Isaiah? There's kingdoms outside my door ready to take me out. And you're talking about a baby being born from a virgin. Now, I may have missed a few classes in, in, P, uh, in health class, but I think I know how babies are made. And secondly, his name will be God with us. I don't have time for this, Isaiah. I need military help. I need financial help. And you're talking about babies being born from a virgin and yogurt. I don't understand. But thanks be to God that God is God and I'm not. That his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Thanks be to God that his ways are higher than the heavens or above the earth. And his ways are perfect in all they do. All of humanity, in a sense, is surrounded. Sin, darkness, death. And so Isaiah gives a sign that is a 25,000-foot view. 
He sees the big picture. It's like that Rolling Stones song. You don't always get what you want. I'm not going to sing it. You don't want that. But if you try sometimes, just might find you get what you need. God sees what Ahaz wants. I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need, though. You don't understand it yet, but you will. What are you facing? God's answers to whatever you're facing may seem counterintuitive. They might not make any sense whatsoever. But that doesn't mean they're wrong. It means that it's perfect. See, God is never satisfied with skin-deep work. He doesn't just look at the externals. He sees the heart, right? He sees the motives. He sees the internal. He sees the thoughts. He sees the thing behind the action. God is not looking at all the stuff, the physical. He's, God sees us in our deepest parts. And so because of that, he always goes for the need over the want. Like, for example, when Jesus heals a paralytic, and it's literally lowered, their friends lower this guy through the ceiling in front of Jesus. They couldn't get to him. What does he say to this guy? Your sins are forgiven. Now, why would he do that? Because Jesus knew this particular person needed to know that his sins were forgiven. More than physical healing. But God being good, he heals them anyway. Or when Jesus defends the woman caught in adultery, which was also a man in that story, but they never really mentioned that very much. <laughs> he, should, he should be... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Seems unfair. But he defends the woman caught in adultery. What does he say to her? Woman, where are your accusers? They're gone, my Lord. Neither do I accuse you either. Now, why would he say that? He knew where her accusers went. He said that because she needed to know that God doesn't accuse her. She needed to know to leave her life, life of sin. She needed to hear that from Jesus' mouth. Jesus and the rich young ruler. The rich young guy rolls up to the king of kings, the ultimate rabbi, and comes to him and says, Hey, what do I need to do to buy eternal life, teacher? And Jesus says to him, sell it all. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Now, is Jesus saying all wealthy people are bad? Of course not. But to this guy, money was his problem. And he's not looking at the externals. He's looking at the heart. He sees his heart. Money was this guy's God, and he had to let it go. So when Isaiah speaks this word to Ahaz and to the royal family of David, he's saying to y'all, y'all don't get it, but I do. The king is going to come through this line in 700 years. It will happen. The true king will come, and he will set everything right. It, it, this is much bigger than your temporary problem that you're facing. I'm not telling you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And that one day, this ultimate fulfillment, who will literally be God with us, so when you get that sort of a promise from God in your immediate circumstance, when you hear that scripture today, the, the virgin will give birth to a child. People have a choice. You can choose to let it encourage you on the day, encourage you in your life, to help you, to steal you up for the future, or you can write it off and say it's irrelevant. What are you talking about? I don't want to hear about yogurt and virgins giving birth to babies. I don't have time for that. But it doesn't mean it's wrong. Friends, receive this promise and let it encourage you for this day. 
the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. As we sing this last few songs, I'm going to be up here for prayer if you need prayer, because I feel like there's always people that struggle with faith. I have deep, deep compassion for that. It's not easy to trust what you can't always see. Just like Ahaz probably did. And if you need prayer, I invite you to come forward and I would love to pray with you. Someone's probably listening to fear more than they're listening to God. You're looking at the army instead of looking at the army of heaven. We're trusting fear over faith. So I'm going to pray and as they sing, I invite you to come forward if you'd like that. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in moments such as these, we can ask for faith to help us believe. God, thank you that you forgive us for the ways we look at the ways we fall short. Sometimes we get hyper-focused on the ways we fall short. Lord, Holy Spirit, help us reject that. Reject that voice and hear your voice that says, you are my beloved. I've called you by name. I know you. I know what you need more than what you want. Give my life, give your life to me. Let me heal you. Holy Spirit, grow our faith. Help us trust you.